Well, if you've been around the past several weeks, you know we've been talking about the principle of learning to walk by faith. And four times the Bible tells us the righteous shall live what? The just shall live by faith. Who's just? Those that are born again, those that have experienced the new birth. They are the just ones. They are the righteous ones. And then the Bible tells us there's a certain way that a righteous person is supposed to live. And that's by faith. We also know, according to the Word of God, that we're supposed to walk by faith and not by what? Not by sight. Walking by faith versus walking by your senses and your feelings and your thoughts. Instead, trading that in for a higher way of living your life, and that is by faith. The problem is a lot of people growing up in church were never really taught the mechanics of actually how you walk by faith. What does that look like when someone is actually living by faith instead of just, well, I have faith in Jesus, I'm going to heaven. And faith is a big word, a big panacea for the, you know, the concept of religious system or the fact that you're a Christian. No, we want to make sure you understand that faith is actually a tool and it's a supernatural tool for producing things on this side of heaven and then for all eternity. And to operate in faith requires that you involve yourself in four dimensions or four activities. And the first one is, if you're going to walk by faith, you should have to hear what God has to say about a matter. There can be no faith if you haven't heard what God said about a matter. Isn't there an interesting place where you can find out what God said about a matter? Yes, the Word of God as you read and meditate, but also under the preached Word of God. The anointing to preach and to teach is critical. One of the things we like to say in this series is that all five of the ministry gifts that were given to the body of Christ by the Lord Himself, apostles, apostles prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, they're all speaking gifts. Say it with me, they're all, they're all speaking gifts. That tells you how important it is, preaching and teaching. So what happens is you hear what God says about a matter, and then you decide, you choose to believe what God said about that matter. And then number three, you start saying what God said about that matter, and you keep on hearing and have an amen, and you keep on believing and have an amen, and you keep on saying and have an amen. But it doesn't stop with a saying. You have to hear and believe and say, and then you have to make up your mind that you're going to do what God said about a matter. And there's a very important reason for that. I just want to start over in James chapter 1, a couple of passages in James. James 1, and I'm going to read this uh, starting in verse 25, uh, 22 to 25. Familiar scripture, but listen to it in this context of how to walk by faith. You say, what's this all about? I want to on purpose demystify what it means to walk by faith. Every believer needs to understand how to walk by faith. Not just certain groups or certain organizations, but everybody in the body of Christ needs to know how to do this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Well, how does a Christian deceive himself or herself when it comes to the word of God? The deception is that if I read the word, it will change everything and everything will get better. The deception is that hearing alone is necessary and that's all it takes. No, you actually have to do what it says. Do what it says, the Bible says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, shout it out, continues. Continue. Come on, everybody, continues Continue. in it. Not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, shout it out, doing it. They'll be blessed in what they do. The blessing is not in the hearing. 
The blessing is in the doing. The empowerment to succeed comes when we go from hearing to believing to saying to believing enough to actually do what the word says. You say, well, everybody knows that. Well, if everybody knows that, everybody be doing this. There's head knowledge and then there is conviction of the word of God. I can have an amen today. Over in James chapter 2, verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. What's the difference between a demon and a Christian who doesn't do the word? Nothing. In other words, believing, even the demons do that. And they shudder in outright fear and fright of God's power and majesty. But they never get around to doing what the word said. In fact, when they had a chance to choose behind, you know, between following Lucifer and staying with God, one third of them did what? Even the demons believe, watch this, but they never got around to doing. You and I are called to hear, to believe, to say, and then do. Come on, say this to me. Believing, believing. Is, not is not enough. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. In other words, I have to go from hearing to believing to saying to actually what? Doing. doing. Say it with me. I've got to be a doer. I'll say it boldly. I am a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. We got lots of churchgoers and song singers and conference goers, amen, and CD and MP3 buyers. What we need are doers. Fill your library up with teaching CDs. Fill your library up with good books. But if you never get around to doing what the word says, you're not walking by faith. And therefore, you can't expect to have results. There are a lot of frustrated Christians in the body of Christ who think, you know, when I pray, seek God, I'm living a decent life. Why don't I see more manifestation? This is a really good place to start. Focus on what you're listening to. Focus on what you've chosen to believe. Focus on what you're saying. And then look at to what extent you're actually obeying the Lord in your life. Let me give you some simple illustrations here. How many of you know in, in the Bible it was pretty impressive when the centurion and the Syrophoenician woman were both told they had great faith? That's not something he said to any Jew. Ever. But what made their faith great was they actually had a responsive faith to him. But what Abraham did and shows us and Rahab did and shows us that perfect or complete or mature faith is when you actually do what the word says. Perfect faith is an obedient faith. We know we've really arrived and grown and developed in our faith when it's leading us to actually do the things we have heard. Now raise your hand if you've heard a lot of sermons through the years. How many say that maybe you've not applied all of them? A couple of hands, amen. 
The rest of y'all are liars. We're going to do that some other time. Amen. <laughs> How many you know we're all in the same boat? Let's say it like that. How many of you ever heard something and you didn't do it, at least you didn't do it immediately? Okay, look to somebody and tell them you're a work in progress. But at least you're progressing. Amen. Hebrews 4.2 gives us insight into this. It says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Just hearing doesn't profit. Sermons alone do not profit. Sunday school alone does not profit. Conferences alone do not profit. We actually have to believe, say, and do the things that we hear that's how these things profit our lives. Ecclesiastes says it like this in chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of what? Man. Come on, say that. Fear God. Fear keep, his commandments. keep his commandments. Uh, scripture we've talked about a lot here. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. And it shall come to pass that if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments which I commanded thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee high above all the nations of the earth. And as we talk Wednesday night, then he goes through 10 specific blessings for people who actually will do what God tells them to do. Come on, say it with me. When I do God's word, I walk in the fullness of the blessing. Now, we have to understand what it means because keeping the commands according to Deuteronomy 28 means something different for a New Testament believer. In other words, we need to find out what Jesus thinks the command actually is. In Matthew 22, we're told, what is the greatest commandment when he's asked that question? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and do what? And love your neighbor as yourself. He said all the law and the prophets hang on these commands, which means they depend on those commands. What happened is God gave them 10 commands on stone tablets. And how many know they had a hard time just with 10? <laughs> and then the scribes and the, and, and the leaders began to develop them out. Over time, they became hundreds of laws. And here comes Jesus walking on the earth. And you know what he did? He summed them all up with a very simple law, the law of love. Love God and love people. Come on, say, love God and love people. Everything we'll ever do that is a sin or a violation of his word will be because we walked out of love as it pertains to either people or God. Every single one. If you stole from somebody, that's because you didn't love them. If you use God's name inappropriately, it's because you don't love him. Jesus said it like this, if you love me, you what? You will keep my commandments. There are a lot of people out there teaching what I would call not just a hyper grace, but a grace that's actually from another world and not God's world. That says that all you have to do is just accept the grace of God, your salvation, and God does everything. You have no responsibility. I don't know what Bible they're reading, but Jesus said, if you love me, you will what? Keep my commandment to love God and love people. Come on, say it. If you love Jesus, you will keep his command to love God and love people. And if you do that, you will find your life lining up with things like the Ten Commandments. Does that make sense to you? Empowered by the Spirit of God to do so, which the Old Testament saints did not have what you have today. You're a blessed people. Say with me, I'm blessed. I have the new birth and the Holy Ghost. 
and righteousness and the word of God. Hallelujah. We're blessed people. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. He goes on to say a, a story about these two men who built a house, you know, and in the storm, one fell and one did not fall. The one that fell heard the word, but did not do what it said. The other man heard the word and did what it said. When the storm hit, the man who did not do the word, his house, his life collapsed. But the man who did the word, his house stood in the storm. Watch this. Same storm. Say it with me. Same storm. Come on, say it. Same word. Why would one house stand and the other fall? Because one man was a man who lived an obedient life and the other one did not. That's the only difference between the two. Say it with me. Same storm, same word, different outcome. Why? One did what God said and one did not. What do you call that when you're presented with the opportunity to do what God says and uh, you have the ability to decide it's a choice. I'm going to do it. My house is going to stand. I'm not going to do it. And you'd be amazed how many people, even in the modern body of Christ, will just absolutely ignore this principle. Something will happen and dare blame God for it. Amen. Say it with me. I walk by faith, walk by faith. and not by sight. I've always got to, you know, tickled by this, this story and this illustration that you can take a donkey and you can trim its ears back and you can put some new colors on it and shine that coat, put some shoes on it, put some racing colors on it, racing harness on there. And when you put that, that donkey into, you know, the gate and that gate opens up, that, don that donkey is not going to run like a thoroughbred. Because genetically, it is not a thoroughbred. You can do everything you want to do on the extra. Maybe you can make it look like it'll still be a donkey. In reality, it won't have the ability to run. You and I, on the other hand, were born thoroughbreds. And there are too many in the body of Christ acting like donkeys. What do donkeys do? They're stubborn. Thoroughbreds supposed to run. Amen. When the Lord puts you in the gate, amen, saddles you up and it opens up, you're supposed to run for his glory. Not, I don't like this. I don't want to do that. I don't think so. Hebrews talks about this. No one to get too far off the pale here as far as the, the, the core of the message. But Hebrews talks about this scripture in, uh, in the fifth chapter, I believe. He says, you know, by now you ought to be teachers. Teachers not having to be taught again the rudimentary or elementary principles or foundations, you know, of the Word of God. And yet this is the reality where the body of Christ is. And so that's why we have to go beyond just, hey, I went to church and I heard a message. Isn't that wonderful? I'm a Christian. To, hey, I went to church, I heard a message, I began to believe it, I started saying it, I went out and did it. That's Christianity. That's good. That's good. Just the hearing is not Christianity. Just the believing is not Christianity. Just the saying is not Christianity. You have to do it if you're going to be a Christian. Look at somebody and tell them, just do it. Come on, say it. Just do it. There's some famous disobediences in the Bible. Have you know, you know that the Bible does not, uh, you know, 
cover over anything. So you're thankful you didn't live in Bible times, so your story wouldn't be there. But uh, <laughs> hit a nerve there. There's a man named Gehazi. He was the servant to the prophet Elisha, who was a servant to the prophet Elijah. And when Elijah was about to leave this earth, Elisha wanted something of the man of God. What do you want? I want a double portion of your spirit. It was granted to him. Gehazi was in line for a supernatural, authentic, overwhelming, speak on behalf of God ministry. But when Naaman the Syrian came and got healed of his leprosy, this man of God said in advance, we're not taking anything from him. He's not going to make this look like a transaction between God and, and money and getting healing. And he listened to him, but he began to think, I know better than the old man does. And so he chased after Naaman to get something from him and put it away, thinking that somehow the man of God wouldn't know about it. Man of God says, where you been, Gehazi? He finally admits what he did. And the consequence was, instead of being a great prophet of God, the leprosy that was on the clothes he took from... Listen, here's a tip for you. Don't ever take clothing from a leper under any circumstances. <laughs> then he took the money and he took the clothing. That's all he got out of it. And he became leprous and his entire future and destiny was destroyed because he heard, but he didn't do what he was supposed to do. The irony is about a couple chapters later, there are 40 camel loads coming from Damascus headed to Elijah, headed to Elisha. And the Bible never says that he rejected those camel loads. In other words, Gehazi's blessing was already on the way. He just had a better idea. Amen. One of the saddest stories in the Bible. Mark chapter 10. Young man comes up to Jesus who's very wealthy, very well to do. He says, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, you know the commands. He said, these commands I've kept since I was a, a youth. Jesus said, you're right about that. But one thing you must do. Amen. See all your possessions. Give to the poor. Come follow me. The Bible says this man went away sad. Look at somebody and tell them, sad. Do you know that one emotional outburst can ruin your entire destiny? Just one. Just one little fit of flesh. And you can lose that on everything. The Bible says he went away sad because he had great wealth. If he'd stayed for the rest of the sermon, he would have heard Jesus say to the apostles who asked him, we left everything to follow you. What's going to happen to us? Jesus said, you're going to receive a hundredfold in this life with persecutions. That's what that man would have heard. But instead, he went away sad. Gehazi is one of the saddest stories in the Old Testament. This rich, young, this rich man is, is, is also a very sad story in terms of destiny. Why? Did he hear what Jesus had to say? Watch this. He'd been following the commands all of his life. But when it came down to the thing that he was mostly engrafted to, the idol of his heart, money, he could not part with it. He missed the whole point. He missed out on an apostolic ministry. Look at somebody and tell them, don't do that. We can't just hear. We have to get around to doing what? To doing what he said. Joshua was told, the people of God were told, you're not to, you know, Form any treaty or alliance with the people and the nations you're going to possess. 
the Gibeonites heard about their successes. So they sent an advance team and they sent it with moldy bread and worn out shoes and not very much water and supplies. And they made that about a 10 mile trip to where he was at, looking like they came from halfway across the world. And the Bible says they sampled their provisions, but they did not inquire of the Lord. And they established a treaty with the Gibeonites. And right after that, the Gibeonites were attacked. Israel had a lifelong responsibility to take care of the Gibeonites in a treaty that they weren't supposed to be in in the first place. In the Bible, when the sun does not set so they can have this battle to win, Joshua wins the battle. God does a supernatural, creative, natural, physical, I mean, miracle so they would keep their word to a nation they weren't supposed to be in a treaty with in the first place. How do you know we need to do what God tells us to do? Come on, say it. We hear and we say after we believe. But then we what? We do. Here's the point, and this is why it's so important. Our dues bless others. Our don'ts, our won'ts, limit us and affect others. Can you see this? There's power in the do. I'm not talking about mountain do. I'm talking about <laughs> do. Any do heads out there? <laughs> My mom is. Likes that mountain do. Amen. Jesus obeyed and redeemed the entire world of sin. Aren't you glad he obeyed? Ananias obeyed and went to Paul, though he was terrified. Laid hands on him, and Paul got healed and baptized in the Holy Ghost. Abraham obeyed and took his son up there, his one and only son, and became the father of faith. The man with the withered hand obeyed, stretched out his hand, and it was renewed. It was restored like brand new. The ten lepers obeyed when they were told to go show themselves to the priests. The Bible says as they went, they were healed. The widow obeyed and made Elijah a cake, and she always had plenty in her house from that day on. Naaman, who you mentioned earlier, refused initially to dip down in the rivers of the, of the waters of the Jordan, but eventually a little slave girl talked him into it, and he dipped down. When he came up, his body is, was as fresh as a, as a baby's bottom. Aren't you glad for the power of God? And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here is a king responsible for killing thousands of Jewish soldiers, comes in in humility asking for help, and almost goes back home a dying man. Because you won't do a simple thing like dip in the water. Look at somebody and tell them, don't be a dip. Just dip in the water. <laughs> Why say this, Pastor? Because there is power in the word of God to bring itself to pass. Don't let anybody ever tell you it's a history book. Don't let anybody ever tell you it just contains the, the mind or the thoughts of God. It is a supernatural book, supernatural words, supernatural power, supernaturally preserved. And that word has the power to bring itself to pass in your life. But watch this. The power is not released in the hearing. The power is not released in the believing. The power is not released in the saying. The power is released in the doing. Come on, say this to me. The Word of God has the power to bring itself to pass. It's not in the hearing or the saying or the believing. 
That power is released in the doing. You mean all I have to do is start doing the word and the power of God will be released? Yes. Well, <laughs> the power is released in the do. Say it, in the do. Say it again, say it, it's in the do. The power is in the what? It's in the do. Is it in the hear? Is it in the believe only? Is it in the saying only? It's in the what? It's in the what? It's in the do. Let me just give you a little illustration that you can participate in. Psalm 118, verse 24. I want you to just say this to me. This is the day the Lord has made. I want everybody to shout out. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It was a decision to hear it. It's a decision to believe that scripture. It's a decision to say that scripture. And it's a decision to do that. The question is, is this the day the Lord has made? Is it? And I will rejoice. And what? And be glad in it. Now, how many have read that scripture before? Did you immediately start rejoicing after you read it? So let me say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. Always, Paul said, and again I say, rejoice. This is the day the Lord has made. The Lord made. I will. I will decide to do. The powers in the do. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Notice, and that's just one, one, say it with one scripture. That's just one. One. But when you, when you hear that, and you believe it and you say it, the corresponding action, power is released. In your situation, around you, and notice it doesn't say anything about if you're having a good day. If everybody likes you. If everything is perfect. If everything looks good to you in your natural senses. Has nothing to do with that. Maturity in the Lord as a Christian is where you do the word of God irrespective of how you feel, how you think, what you see, what you hear. It doesn't matter what you think. You're not moved by what you see or hear or feel. You're only moved by what? By the word of God. And yet so many of us, even when we hear that, we sit there twiddling our thumbs. What am I saying? I'm saying we have problems even doing the simplest of things sometimes in the word of God. So let me just quote it one more time. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Yeah. Be glad in it, church. Be glad in it. Be glad in it. Be glad in it. Why? Because the Lord made it. If the Lord made it, it's good. If it's good, something good's going to happen to you. 
That's how this works. It's in the it's in the do. <laughs> you take any scripture you want throughout the word of God and apply the same principle to it. And if you've gotten to the place where you understand and apply the concept of the do, it's going to revolutionize your life. That's why Caleb was said to have had a different spirit. Everybody saw and heard about the land. They believed this was a good land. They all talked about its potential. But guess what? They wouldn't do what God told them to do. And Caleb, the Bible says, silenced the people in the presence of the Lord and said, we can surely take that land. In other words, he was all for the do. Yeah. You know that only two of the 12 were for the do. All the other 10 and their followers were gone. But one day Caleb, because he had a spirit of do, got to take his mountain. And we know Joshua's story is a grand story of his promotion, how God used him. But listen, he had a different spirit. Why? He had a wholehearted spirit, which means he was ready to do what God said to do. The do is so important. Matthew 21, 28 through 31, there's a story of two sons. One said, when the father said, go out and do this, such and such, he said, I'll do it. But he never went and did it. Another one said, you know what, uh, I'm not going to do it, but then did it. Which one actually honored the father in that situation? The one that even though said, I'm not going to do it, went on out and did it. It's in the do. The other one said, I'm going to do this, but never got around to doing it. It's in the do. Come on, shout it out. It's in the do. What did your, your pastor talk about today? The do. Say it, the do. It's in the do. Going back just a moment to that scripture in Hebrews about elementary things. Um, I mean, you know, prayer is elementary. That doesn't mean it's not multifaceted and an adventure and a journey as it is. How do you know going to church is elementary? Amen. And, and brilliant uh, exhortation that Rodney gave today. Because if you really want to see the true riches like the anointing of God, we have to get to the do on the common things. God says he wants the first thin dime of every dollar, so guess what? I can hear that. I can believe that. I can even say it. But the power is in the do. I do it. I, COVID, no COVID. Problems, no problems. Transitions, no transitions. You know, the Bible still says, forsake not the assemblies of yourselves together, as is the manner of some. Now, how many of you have ever heard that before? How many in your heart you believe that? How many of you have even said that before? Yes. But the power is in the what? In the do. And I've been... You know, I was raised in a Christian cultural context and raised in a Christian household and got a foundation in Lutheran church. I experienced the first time I ever experienced the presence of God was at a Lutheran conference in Minneapolis. I, I found out he was real. And by the time I got to my graduate, my last year of high school, I gave my life personally to the Lord and the rest is, is history here. But I know I've known people since I was first born again, and they still don't even have the ability to do the church do. I mean, you know, after decades, that's, that's pretty suspect. Mm-hmm. 
What are you saying? Jesus said, and if I got any stones or tomatoes or rotten eggs or anything, I, I'm going to check the house here real quickly before I say this. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do the do. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You'll do what I say. Um, we don't like hearing this, but if I, I hear something, believe it, even agree with it, but don't do it, it's like saying, I don't really love you. Yeah, it's no big deal if I join the mass of American Christians who come like to church once every three weeks. What's the problem with that? The problem is it means you don't love him. Oh, I'm not, I ain't giving that church my money, but Scott, you're not giving church your money. You're giving your money unto the Lord, the high priest of God, for the work of the ministry, for the advancement of the gospel. And it's not your job to figure out which ones to obey and which ones not to obey. The fact that you won't do that, you won't do the do, means you don't love him. And don't look at me as if I said that. And let me point out again, when it comes to church attendance and, and giving and, and other things, um, circumstances are irrelevant. You can come up with a reason every single day why you don't do the do, but at the end of the day, taking Jesus' lesson to heart, right? If I love him, I'm going to do. If I, if I don't love him, then I won't do. Well, how many of y'all want to do? <laughs> Raise your hand and say, I want to do. I want, in other words, I want my profession of love for him to match walking by faith and believing enough to actually doing what he said to do. Um, everybody ought to be doing something and serving God. Amen. Amen. Prayer team, you know, in a small group, you know, help them teach the kids, you know, help them with the facilities. Uh, this is a great plug for the fall festival. Amen. Thank you all that have signed up already. We're off to a record start already with this. So just say, yeah, I'm going to be there on November 5th. I'm going to help you all out with this thing, help reach the community. But everybody from, from week to week ought to be doing something for the Lord. Why? Because, you know, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom what? For many, the reason we have the pastors, prophets, evangelists, you know, apostles, and pastors, teachers, the reason we have the fivefold ministry gifts is to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. If you won't serve, then you really don't love him that much. Now, I just realized this is a really good time to sign people up for stuff. I didn't, didn't bring a table, don't have one with me, amen. But, but we'll still take your volunteerism, amen. It's like, uh, it's like Lieutenant General Doolittle said before the raid on Tokyo. You know, he said there's nothing better than a heart, nothing bigger than the heart of a volunteer, and that's true, especially in the things of God. Amen. Amen. Take any any scripture you want. Jesus said, "Forgive those who have what persecuted you, used you despitefully, whatever the case may be." Everybody, raise your hand if you have cause to hold a grudge against somebody at some time or another. And yet, what does he tell us to do? Forgive as you have been forgiven. If you won't do the do, the problem is not that person. Maybe it's your understanding of what your relationship with him is supposed to be like. After all, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? 
Let's put it in Pastor Art's vernacular today. Why do you say you love me and you don't do the do? Huh? Come on, shout it out. Do. do. What you hear. What you believe. And what you say. Anybody here ever have a story where you were clearly given direction by God or even an authority figure who operates with the authority of God because they're an authority of your life? How many know that parents and teachers and bosses, amen, and spiritual leaders, they're in our lives to help us and guide us, but they're authorities in our life? And guess what? They're God-given. Are you here today? Um, anybody ever do something or not do something you're supposed to do? We won't take any testimonies right now. You can just kind of... <laughs> I want to show you how, how this works and the consequences of, of not coming through with what you're supposed to do. Can you believe that I was once in junior high? I was actually a lot shorter than this. And uh, from swimming and being in the sun all the time, I was... Uh, I was towheaded. I was I had blonde hair, blonder than my mom's hair. And uh, in fact, when I went to my teen year high school reunion, that was a few years ago, uh, <laughs> they voted uh, me as the most changed. One, because of my hair color and height, I grew like six, seven inches since they saw me, and my hair was now brown. But the biggest factor was I was a pastor. So uh, I felt like a leper there. This little bar and grill thing called Mississippi Flyway in Carbon, Illinois, is no longer there. It's shut down since then. But, uh, but I felt like a, like a leper inside that place. <laughs> Except for one girl who used to torment me all the time in seventh grade. I'd lean back my chair like we all would do, you know, those old chairs. And she would sit behind me, and then she would kick the thing out in front of me. I'd slam on the ground, and I'd get up like this. And she'd go, defensive, defensive. Why are you so defensive? I'm defensive because you knocked me down. Do it again. I'm going to knock you down. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. I wasn't sanctified at all back then. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to this event, right, thinking, okay, who's the next person to roll their eyes at me and... Two of my best friends, when they asked me what I was doing, walked in the door. They're sitting there with a Michelob light in each of their hands. What, you, what are you doing? I said, I'm a pastor. I'm in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. And just like on a dime, they both turned and walked away. That was the conversation. And that was my experience. I went there to let my little light shine. Every time I try to let my little light shine, somebody's throwing a beer on it. <laughs> are you here? In eighth grade, the school we went to, Lincoln Junior High School, gave an award out to the most distinguished male and female, outstanding student in those categories. And it was based on grades and extracurricular activities. And I was a great student, but I was also a state champion and nationally ranked swimmer. So all this matters into the fold. And the students actually vote on this thing. And, um, and then it has to be approved, of course, you know, by the administration, because they may know something that, uh, that the student body doesn't know. But anyway, earlier that year, my language arts professor, Mr. Horst, everybody say Mr. Horst. Mr. Horst. We used to say a horse is a horse is a horse, of course. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't like that very much. But this guy was a, was a, was a stickler. I mean, this guy was just, you know, I mean, straight arrow and just, I mean, just everything had to be just so-so. I think he was like OCD. We didn't know what that was back then, but I think it was. I remember one time uh, one of my friends had him and he dropped a cookie by his desk. Just one little cookie. He said, you there, Mr. So-and-so, what's the cookie doing by your desk? Pick it up. So the kid did. And then he ate it right there in front of us all. 
and I took care of the cookie. But the, he thought it was a brilliant idea because he was the uh, you know, faculty sponsor for the Boys Honor Society. And they thought it would be nice to sell something to make some money. So they, they came up with this idea as little bitty small basketballs imprinted with the name of our high school on there. And each boy was supposed to sell so many of these things. And uh, I don't have the, the salesmanship gift like my older brother James does. And so those balls went in... Uh, a little, you know, old, old grocery box, you know, sack, a little brown sack, and stayed in my locker week after week after week after week after week. And he'd say, uh, well, I need the money or I need your, your boss, you know, and you need to sell those things. And uh, nothing happened. He'd come to me again and say, I need that, you know, and uh, you need to take care of this. And he never did. And so come to find out, uh, we're at the end of the term. They're about to have voting on this particular outstanding female male student. And uh, one day uh, after the vote, the principal comes out to meet me. I mean, you know, when you go to the principal's office, it's one thing. But when the principal comes to you, that's like trouble on speed. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> go out there on the playground to find you. And here's what he said. He said, you need to take care of that. You need to take care of that, either sell the balls or, or pay for them, whatever it is, because you have an awful lot to lose if you don't. And when graduation day came, and I refused to do anything about it, say, I heard, I believed, I even said what he said to others. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't do the do. On graduation day, guess where those balls were? Still in the locker. And on that day, they stripped me of that award and gave it to my best friend who was second in votes. Now, that's a pretty wonderful thing to go through. Amen. All because I didn't do the do. How many things are we missing out on? How many promotions and anointings and victories? How many blessings are we missing out on because we won't do what we're supposed to do? Huh? I heard the queen, God rest her soul, is now with Jesus. Amen. Right. May she rest in peace. Glory to God. I like a woman who says she wanted to stay around until the rapture, until Jesus came, so she could take her, her, her crown and put it down at the feet of Jesus. I can relate to somebody like that. I can relate to somebody who knew the Bible, who read it every single year, used to interrogate Billy Graham, and then she knew the answers already before she asked the question. I can relate to that. Truly born again person. And... Um, she has um, these two grandsons from Diane and Charles, and they're married. And one of them came into, you know, the, uh, the, the royal situation with great honor and respect and diligence. And the other one, not so much. And it really doesn't have anything to do with being an American. And I'm sorry for the race baiters. It has nothing to do with her being African-American, half African-American. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about honor and dishonor. And to publicly, and, and, and if you have a problem with somebody, what scriptures they do? You go to them, you don't go to Oprah. At the last minute, my understanding is the queen changed her will. Not the corporate will of the, of the kingdom, but her personal will. She personally has a stamp collection that's worth $100 million. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for all of you advocates of poverty, uh, she would say, talk to my hand. <laughs> um, she has a, a jewelry collection, personal collection of $110 million. Yeah. 
And guess who's going to get it? The wife of the grandson who honored her and the kingdom. It matters what you do with the things you hear. Amen. And somebody's going to be very happy when that will's read and somebody not so much. Amen. Would you want to make sure as you're the one who clearly hears and clearly believes and clearly says, but then at the end of the day, you're going to do what the word says. There are three levels of doing you need in your life. You should write these down as we just kind of park this series. Write this down. There are foundational you know, commands from God. This is everything that you already know to do. So have you been saved five years? Ten years? Fifteen years? Have you been saved a while? You should have the church thing figured out by now. No argument. If you've been not been doing it, repent and get with the program. You ought by now have the service thing worked out, the prayer thing worked out. By now, you ought to have the tithing thing worked out. You had to have it worked out by now because foundational means what the word has already said and then what you might learn over time through the word of God, through the preached word of God. Say foundations. Foundations. Number two, convictions. Shout it out. Foundations Foundations. and convictions. convictions. Convictions is where the spirit of God begins to talk to you and say, you know what? You're doing this and you shouldn't be doing this. Stop it. What should we do when he does that? Stop it. If you're running your mouth and talking ugly about somebody, what should you do? Stop it. If you're walking around in unforgiveness, what should you do? Stop it. If you're about to do something, he says, stop, what should you do? Stop. Convictions. Anything he tells you to do that you're not doing or tells you to stop that you're presently doing, not just foundations of the word of God, but you personally, the spirit of God is talking to you. Aren't you glad for the Holy Ghost? Amen. What he says, you begin to do. Amen. Are you here today? Yes. Say it, foundations. foundations. Say it again, foundations. foundations. Say it again, foundations. foundations. And, convictions. and convictions. I want to share a scripture with you. Shout it out, just do the do. Just do, the do. The Bible teaches us that the Spirit of God is the teacher of the church. When he comes, he will do what? Convict the world of? Say it again. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. And not just people in the world, but even God's people if they have an issue in their life. Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit? But it's not just foundations. And unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians that are stuck there. I mean, they bless their hearts. You know, in the South, when somebody looks at you and says, bless your heart, it's not a compliment. (laughs) Come on, everybody say, bless your heart. Bless your heart. You, you ought to have this down by now. Just checked it off and boom, that's the way I'm going to live. Amen. And you ought to be committed every single day, right, in terms of your convictions, the things he tells you you should do, things he tells you you should not do. But then the third area you need to be focused on are directives. And these are things that he specifically tells you that are a part of your ministry, a part of your life, part of your action. It's part of what you're supposed to be doing for him. Like Jonah, when he says, go to Nineveh, what should you do? 
go to Nineveh. Like, I, like Isaac, when he tells you to stay in the land, what should you do? You stay in the land. When he kills Ananias, Ananias says, I'm afraid of this character of Saul. He has arrested people and murdered people. What do you do? To you, the do becomes more important than the fear. The do more important than the inconvenience. The do more important than anything you think you're going to lose by doing what he told you to do. Because then you will always gain by obeying him. It's very important you see this. Some Christians have the foundations. They don't have the convictions right. Some people have the foundation and the convictions. But when God gives them a directive, they think, you know what? I just kind of chart my own course and do what I want to do. No, if you want to really be mature, if you want to see yourself really walk by faith and not by sight, you need to have the convictions in order. You need to have the foundations in order. And you need to have the directives in order in your life. Amen. What is he telling you? Amen. It's in the do. Amen. Amen. Let me just take you back to that one thought earlier as we shut this down James said you'll be blessed in the doing the do comes with an automatic blessing can you get a hold of this today come on give him a hand clap and thank him for it